This is Creator Culture by Hashtag Paid. Hey, I'm Danny Desatnik, and this is a conversation with an underrated creator. Today's guest took me by surprise. The first time I came across her on TikTok, I'd never seen a creator doing the things that she was doing. Here's a 62-year-old woman who's getting dressed in front of the camera, is dripped out with swag, has amazing style, but has a storytelling ability that is really captivating. And when you go to her comments section, it's more than that. It's more than the fashion, which people take notice. It's more than the stories, which again, people take notice. Here's a person that is inspiring others to live a more full life, inspiring others to actually want to be this person at 62 and is almost a mentor on TikTok of sorts. I think what I love to learn about this person throughout the episode and through my research is that she came up in the entertainment space and so is naturally incredibly creative, is someone who always has a passion and a purpose and someone who's produced and also written some comedies back in the day. So insanely versatile, but super interesting that has now chosen, that she's now chosen TikTok as her means to get her voice out and this next era that she's living in. So let's get to the good stuff. Here's my conversation with Heidi Clemens. I want to tell you a quote, and then I want you to tell me what the quote means to you. The quote goes, our job in this life is to disappoint as many people as possible to avoid disappointing ourselves. My favorite quote. What is that quote? And why is it your favorite quote? That is Glennon Doyle, and that is my favorite quote. And that quote really upsets people. The concept of disappointing someone else really upsets people and they think it's mean. And it fascinates me that a person is more willing to disappoint themselves than they are to disappoint someone else. And I do think it takes to 60 to realize that I am so tired of being kind to everyone else and myself. I'm going to start being kind to myself. And if people think that's selfish, that's okay. Then I'm selfish. I'm a selfish bitch who takes care of herself. Get it? Self. Care. (laughs) Care of yourself. So simple. It seems so simple. Mm -hmm. But it's funny how you say, right? Like, it seems so simple, yet it took to when you were 60 to kind of figure this out. Like a switch flipped in my head. When I turn 60 and there is a switch that flips in your head at every decade and something wild hits you 30. I don't know that I remember what 30 was. It might've just been, Oh fuck. I have to get a job. 40 was, Oh, that's what that meant. 50 was, Oh my God, I'm irrelevant. And 60 was, you can all go fuck yourselves. That's what it's been so far. I'll keep you close to 170. <laughs> yeah. Funny how 60 is you can go fuck yourselves, yet you're now on TikTok. And you're cultivating yeah. this awesome audience, this awesome community who looks at you as someone that inspires them. And I saw a really cool comment when I was going through this before the interview. And someone goes, you make me want to live a longer life. Wow. I mean, and the fact that I'm so hard on myself about my TikTok and my numbers and if I didn't get enough people is hilarious when I hear things like that and when I read things like that. And I do read every single comment 
at some point, and I do respond to every single comment. I think it's really important for me because things like that quote that you just said, which as a writer, I was about to say as a creator, which is a weird thing for me to say because TikTok really was just a fun thing for me to get on. And then I turned it into something to replace the fact that I can't sell a script. I started telling those stories that I write in my scripts on TikTok. And so when I get responses like that from someone, that is the validation that all creatives and creators seek in life. Like, you heard me. Thank you. I'm so glad that meant something to you. That's why I was vulnerable enough to tell you because I was hoping my vulnerability and my lack of shame will make you feel better about living your life. Because I think at the end of the day, people forget you get to live your life. You get to make your choices. You don't have to get married and have kids. You don't have to do all the things that have been so baked into us. It's why I seem so strange to people because they're like, wait, how are you like you are? It's just like, I don't know. I guess I just refuse to do what everybody else was doing. I keep zigging while everyone else is zagging or something. Like that. Mm, but what I find is so interesting, and I was talking with friends about this recently, is that it's so important to have multiple generations of influence in your life. Like it's important to have the friends around you because they can relate to you. They're right there yeah. empathizing with you. You guys are going through the same stuff. Then maybe like your parents or the people that they've done it, you still kind of see them as superheroes-ish because you've seen part of their life, but you see them as like, they have a lot of wisdom, but they don't really understand what you're going through or you don't feel they do. And then yeah. your grandparents are those that are, oh, here's like, they kind of live in myth. Like you don't really know what they've done in their life, but you know there's a lot of wisdom and they live life at like a very different pace, but that wisdom is so important to impart. And I think what I'm getting from the comments and the videos that you put out is people usually look at them at friends around them or people around their age as people that they look to and aspire to. When they see someone like yourself, it's kind of like the, oh wait, she's lived so much more life than I have. And she's saying this this age, it's so much more impactful. It is interesting because I think I'm not sure what it is that's stopping young people from clicking past me because normally that would be the response is to click past. I think that this generation, Gen Z, is the first generation that I've noticed that does not shame. They're afraid of it and they're aware of it, but they don't shame it. They're not the generation that's like, I don't want to look, listen to old people or if I don't want to listen to anything smart. I think they're really cool kids. I don't know. What is the next day? Alpha? I think it's alpha. Yeah. So I think means. these are the kids that are going to save the world because they give a shit. And I know when I was growing up, I didn't want to listen to someone 60. Like, God, that's so fucking old. And even myself, when I sit around and I will get caught off guard sometimes and look in the mirror and think, wow, I can't believe you're going to be 63 in a couple months. When did that happen? You're always the same person that you've been your whole life. And so you don't think of yourself as older. It's not like, you know, oh, well, now I got to get to that old part of my life where I say dumb sh that I don't, you know, I'm still that person that was a raging drunk and that did inappropriate shit and that went dancing and in my topless in some 
bar in Ibiza or like I'm still that girl. I don't know what happens to people that get old, but they do get old. It's like they give up and they forget who they were and what they wanted. And I think I'm a seeker and I think I'm very curious. And I think that's probably what I have in common with the younger generation. But I don't know why they stop on me. I'm glad they do, but I don't know. <laughs> if you go back to when like your 30s and you kind of think of like everything that you were aspiring to and what you wanted to do, does it make sense? Yeah, that you're I now mean, on TikTok? I knew it. Seeing yourself now and doing what you're doing on TikTok, when you look back at your 30s or your 40s, because you no. said that you always stay the same, does it make sense that you're putting yourself out there telling stories? Yes, that part does. I have been screaming from the rooftops for so long. I always say I'm Norma Ray, but people don't really know what that reference is anymore, which is pretty sad. But it was Sally Field in a movie called Norma Ray, and she's trying to unionize her job and she would stand on a table in the lunchroom and scream about the injustice and I feel like I've always been that person at every job I have actually gotten on tables at many jobs screaming the injustice my mom said to me right before she died she said well you've tried everything talking about me on TikTok and I said I know you think that's a compliment mom but that sounds very insulting but anyway I wrote a book I've journaled, I've written a book, I've had a podcast, I've had a blog, like you name it. And I have been putting my opinion and my thoughts and my stories out there for decades. This is just the first generation that paid attention. And this is the first technological moment for me that's clicked and stuck. And I'm so curious to see where it goes because it's brand new i mean i've really only been doing this exactly what i've been doing for a few months at most talk to me about that you said you're a very curious person a couple of times and so it makes sense that you decided to just jump on it and try it but what was well, the catalyst why did you jump on TikTok? my friend krista allen who is a creator on TikTok, a creator would say to me just endlessly, you should be on TikTok, you should be on TikTok, you need to be on TikTok, people need to hear you, they need to hear you, they need to hear your stories, you need to be on TikTok. And it took me a year. And I had been posting something called Just Get Dressed on Instagram for two years to cricket. Nobody ever wrote back, nobody ever commented, nobody ever said anything. But I did it every day. And so I just took that concept and put it onto TikTok. And then one day I caught my skin in my zipper and screamed and that TikTok viral. And then I started realizing like, oh, this is like, you could really reach a lot of people with this. And so then I decided to tell a story while I was getting dressed and it just kept evolving. I learned how to edit and I would say it was a three-month or four-month process of me getting to where I am three months ago. So, like, I've been on for a year, but I didn't really start doing exactly what I was doing until a few months ago, which was getting dressed and telling stories. But it all stems from this concept of the pandemic and just get dressed, which was people stopped getting dressed. People stopped putting clothes on. People stopped leaving their homes. And when the pandemic ended, I was telling people like, and my friends, like, you just got to get dressed, just get up and get dressed, put an outfit on, put something on that makes you happy and you will have a better day 
or at least you'll have a day. You won't just sit on your couch all day. And so that's sort of how it all fell into place. But in a million years, if you told me that I would be dancing in my underwear at 62 on TikTok for half a million people, I laughed at your face. Ha ha. It feels like the things that are most random and just by chance, you're like, oh, I decided to do this. I kind of want to share this message. Let me put it out there. And you tried it once and on Instagram, but there it was really more, you brought it to TikTok. But there was more joy in, in that one and zero fear. You know, it's like they say, write like no one's reading, dance like no one's watching. And and there was no fear because, and it, it was 100% authentic because I was just being me. And I've continued to do that. I mean, I do get dressed every day and wear that outfit out into the world i do get up and i and then i tell a story that has something to do with my life so cool what i find so cool is you spoke about this briefly that you've re- you wrote a book nine years ago and what i find so interesting is that a bunch of the stories that you tell relate to stuff that you wrote about in the book and there's like this natural tie-in to be like hey if you want to learn more and you have this deep connection to me i didn't plan it this way i just wanted to write a book but if you have this deep connection to me you want to hear more there's a book and it kind of works for you from like a financial perspective it works for this audience being like oh, i want to learn more about heidi i want to get deeper into her mind and connect with her it's this really cool relationship that i feel has just come to be thank you that's why we brought the podcast back to for the same reason people wanted to and I think it's weird to have a podcast. It's just about me talking. So that's why I have other people with me who I think are fascinating. It's been such an interesting journey. I really enjoy it. A couple of minutes ago, you spoke about how like you jumped up on tables and yeah. you always stood for something. You're always fighting for something, always trying to punch up. Why is it so important to stand for something? I just think that I've always believed that it's my job to leave here better than I came. And I have learned that people listen to me when I yell. So I might as well use my voice for good. It's why I write. I write, I tell stories about myself so that someone out there that feels badly about themselves for what they're going through that's similar to me won't. Because we talked about this a little bit. I think before the podcast actually even started about like the shame attached to so many things that we do. And I refuse to feel shame for the things that I did in my youth, whether it's being an alcoholic, being molested, whatever has happened to me or things that I've done, I refuse to feel shame about it because it's just a story. It's just a part of who I am. I didn't kill anybody. I would feel shame if I did that. But a lot of the stuff that I have lived through are just things that happened to me because of the society that I grew up in. Why am I body dysmorphic and have so much trouble with all of that? Well, because of who I grew up with and where I grew up in a country that idolizes underweight, malnourished, skinny people. I was an alcoholic. Why was I alcoholic? I'm going to guess because I was molested. I don't know, but something was done to me. So I refuse to have shame for those things. And I think if I can talk about them and just be like, it's not that big a deal, move on, this too shall pass. Or, you know, deal with it and have that shame and talk about it. Like, don't be 
embarrassed about it. I know, you know, Brene Brown has made a living off of vulnerability and shame. And I think they're two very important things in our lives, you know, one to embrace and one to get rid of. So when you jumped on TikTok, I know you brought your series over from Instagram and you were just doing what made you happy, which is this idea of getting dressed every day. Was there the thought of you really want to make an impact with your videos and with your stories for these women or for people that look up to you and maybe are going through the same thing? Or has that recently risen ever since you've seen the comments come in and you've built this followership? Yeah, no, the audience has built my brand. The audience has really helped me build my niche on TikTok because I realized that it wasn't just this silly little dance and show an outfit. This is like there are people listening and I'm helping them. I mean, the amount of comments that I get for people saying, I feel so safe here. I'm looking forward to getting older. You make me want to get old. I want to be you when I grow up. I mean, those are like, I want to talk to all those people. I don't want anyone, especially girls. I hate when girls are just out there sad and tormented by this fucking patriarchy that we live under. I feel them so deeply, especially young girls and the way you have to date now and it just all really deeply touches me and i love connecting to those people it's cool to hear after doing some research that initially you were trying to push scripts to showcase women just as they are alex i think you you referenced sex in the city and you said like why does it have to be dramatized why can't there just be a show like girls where you're just showcasing who you are living your life and so it's so cool to see that Now you're getting to essentially do that, but not in the traditional way of having to write a script. I have the script. The script is written. The Sex and the City version that was written long before Sex and the City came back to do their 50s, I wrote it because I wanted to see women in their 50s. I think that is important. So selling scripts is still the main reason why I am on TikTok. Mm. I'm selling me my brand as a writer that's what i want to do i'm not as comfortable being in front of the camera at all i don't like it at all and so i still am it is important for me to sell those scripts and tell those stories and about women in their 50s and sex in the city to me got it wrong but what are you gonna do and that's why i do talk about those things and i do tell those stories that are in those scripts that are written or in my that is written has anything happened ever since you've started doing really well on TikTok, the people reaching out? No, because people my age aren't on TikTok or people in their 40s that are running development networks aren't on TikTok. So they'd have to really? listen to their younger people who are saying, hey, you should you know, listen to this girl. But no, not mm. yet. I heard you say on another podcast that the majority of your audience is 35 years and younger. Is that weird to know that you're making videos for the 50-year-old, but you're really just connecting with the 35 or the 20 year old? I am not, but I'm not making videos for 50 year olds because if they get it, great. I am making videos for girls who are terrified to live a life like I lived, which was by my own rules. So I am making videos for those people. And that is when I say that they've guided this podcast. That's how, by me looking at what my demographic. And so, I don't think I'm talking to people in their 60s. On Instagram, when I repost stuff, yes, I get a lot of people in their 50s and 60s, but not on TikTok. I mean, I can tell you, it's kind of funny how young the audience is, but 
I know exactly who I'm talking to it. And that is why I talk about things I talk about there and why I might explain some things also that I know they don't know, like Norma Ray, which is sad that they don't know that. Here, I can tell you, I have 6% is 35 to 44 but 53% is 18 to 24 and 38% is 25 to 34. So wow. 91% is under 35. That's, and only 1% over 50. My parents send me stuff all the time on TikTok as like, hey, look at this funny video. Or So I have a feeling that they're watching because my parents are not, well, my mom definitely not like technology at death, but she's still on it. And always sends me stuff, but it's stuff that never, again, resonates with her in terms of her like life stage. It's just, this was funny or look at this recipe. And so when you popped up on my For You page, I was like, oh, how amazing. Like, here's someone that's telling stories that someone like my mom might not be able to relate to in terms of life terms, but can relate to in the, oh, I'm at this life stage. Fuck what was done before. Like, I'm just going to live my life and I'm going to have a lot of fun right now. And it's stuff that I know she'd relate to. So it's cool to hear that there are people that are younger that are following you and impacted by you. But I, I wonder when it's going to change, when there's going to be a little bit more people that adopt yeah. it and then like Maybe your audience starts couple to years, change. A couple of years before they really shift over to TikTok. I've noticed a couple more here and there. I mean, if you look at the amount of people you follow, there's very few that are in their 60s. There's not a lot of people doing what I do, doing fashion and stuff. And I don't dress like most 60-year-olds either. So I think fashion-wise, I feel like I'm here for the 60-year-olds. Like you can dress however you want. And then mm. story-wise, it's more for the young people. Because mm. the young people also like, they want, I think I drive them crazy because I don't tag the exact outfit where they can get it. And a lot of my stuff is secondhand and they can't get it. And I think I'm very frustrated in that sense. So I think that's why I also started telling stories like, well, here, you can have this piece of me, not my clothes. Well, funny how it's you have the element of scarcity and because they can't get what you have, it probably gets them to want the stuff more than if yeah. they did have the opportunity to buy it. Maybe my whole thing is like, look at what I'm wearing and then use your clothing to recreate it. That's mm. my whole concept. We have too much clothes in the world anyway. You know what I mean? So if you like this yeah. trouser, t-shirt, sweater look, go get a trouser, t-shirt and sweater and recreate this. You don't have to get the exact items. You can go to a thrift shop and do it. You were saying, which I know to be true as well, like there really are not that many 60-year-olds actively posting and posting and trying to get better every day, trying to change things up, trying to do new things, talking in the comments. And what it made me think of is there's always the saying that like it's very lonely at the top because there's not that many people that succeed at, in the same way as like the people at the top do. So there's that dichotomy there. But is it kind of lonely being essentially like a 60 year old a 60 plus year old creator where there's no one else to relate to so if you talk to people and you're like hey i'm on tiktok today another 60 year old's like what do you mean you're on tiktok like, oh I don't is there a relatability any... yeah i certainly don't it's funny i'm really hard on myself and i've been very hard on myself the last few weeks i'm like wow nobody cares about me nobody's watching me this is so sad so it's funny to hear you put it that way i appreciate that but none I don't have a lot of friends in their 60s, very few, in fact, but the ones, there you want my light, but the ones You're who good. do 
follow me. Don't they don't? Yeah, they don't get it. I mean, you could say that. You could ask me that question about my life. Is it lonely not having other people to talk to about what my? Yeah, I don't mm. have anybody that is living life that can relate to what I relate to. That's why people have partners, I think, so that you have one person you can talk to at the end of the day. And I don't have that. That's why my dogs know everything because I just, I tell them all the information. You know, it's funny. Like I get up in the morning and I post a TikTok and then I look at TikTok throughout the day and I love looking at other people's TikToks, but I still haven't, you know, I have a full-time job. I haven't taken a deep dive into this world to say like, okay, this is what I'm doing now. This is how I make a living. So I still don't really connect on that level to looking for other creators that are like me. I'm just still scratching the surface, quite frankly. Well, hearing you say that, even with your life, there's not many people that get it. So you just talk to your dogs. What it makes me think of, it makes me see you as like an, really as an artist. Because I heard you say before that it's when you put out your videos or you put out your scripts or you put out your stories, that's like you not getting rid, but like working through. No, it is 100% getting rid of it. And that's like one of my favorite artists. Her name is Maggie Rogers. She says that all the time. It's like, it's mine until I release it into the world. And then it's not mine anymore. And then I go back inside and I try to figure out what else is going on. And I work through that and that becomes the next work. And so it's, it's kind of cool to hear you say this because now I can really see it, like understand you as a writer because that's it. It's like you have so much to say. There's not that many people that relate to it. So you're like, well, let me put it out in the world for other people to consume it. And then maybe at that point, they'll be able to relate to what, well, not relate, but kind of escape to the world that you created. No, I'm 100%. My writing has always been a release. It's how I stop things from having any power over me. If I write it and release it to you, it no longer has any power over me because it's not a secret. Everybody knows it. And now you all know it. And so it just is another statement. It's just another story. And so, yeah, that is literally what I do is just release it to the wind when you release that into the world is there a consistent feeling yes you got just a big sigh like how okay let's see what mm. happens with that one let's see if anybody relates to that well you talked earlier about how throughout your life especially a lot of the stuff that's happened it's because of your environment but then you talked about as well how your friend was like hey i put your stuff on tiktok like start putting your stuff out and so it's it's interesting to see how the environment can play a positive, but also can play a negative. Do you think you would have come to TikTok if not for your friend? I don't think I would have put myself on it. And I don't think I would have evolved it because I had this person sort of gently pushing me. It's difficult to be creative and it's difficult to be vulnerable. Not in the sense of, oh God, I'm telling this story. Like, I know most people are like, oh, God, I'm going to tell the story of my abortion. I hope it goes over well. And I never think that way. I'm just like, OK, we're going to tell this story now. And I don't worry about what people think about it. I release it. And then if somebody wants to talk to me about it, I'm thrilled. Talking about environments and you're saying that in your 60s, it's kind of like this. Fuck this attitude. I don't know why I'm living for anyone else. I have to live for myself. How do you decide now? at the age of 62, who you surround yourself with and who comes into your circle? If I don't get anything out of the friendship, I'm done. Like if I'm always the person calling and always the person making plans and always the person reaching out, I'm going to stop. And if you don't reach out to me, we're just going to drift apart. 
I hate being around really negative people. I think life is such a blessing to just be able to get up and walk around healthy and breathe every day. Everything else is gravy after that. So I don't like being around people that are just look at the horse side of everything. But it really is about that Glennon Doyle quote. It's about that not disappointing myself. And I don't want to be in situations where I'm disappointing myself. And I have no problem like looking at my friends and going, I'm out, I'm done, bye, I'll see you next time. Like I just will take myself out and home and or not go somewhere. And I'm much more honest about those things now. If somebody wants to do something, I'm like, I don't have the bandwidth, I'm sorry. And I credit like young people with that too, because I feel like they've given me permission to not, to be honest about like making plans and not being interested in those plans. I mean, everybody loves to cancel, but I really just want to be around people that are grateful to be alive. It's really that simple. So being on TikTok right now, how do you define success? What would be success for you as it stands right now? That's a great question. I, Will Arnett, I don't know if you listen to Smartless. Yeah, great pod. It is a great podcast. And Will Arnett said something about not defining success by what you do for a living and that he figured out how to just be, be. And to me, success is happiness. If you are happy and you're not worried about anything and you're just living a happy life, you are successful. People love to say money doesn't buy happiness. I happen to know it does. And I know all the stores that sell it. Money is freedom and freedom does lead to happiness. But it really is the happy, those moments in your life where you're just like, oh my God, I'm so fucking happy right now. And then all these great things happen. It's because happiness breeds happiness. And if you can float in that constant state of happiness, I think you're an incredibly successful person because you just live your life in joy. What could be more magical than just living your life in joy every day? I like that a lot. Now, I almost feel like I'm running an interview with you for a job. Contrast that for what success meant to you in in your 30s or maybe in your 40s. Yeah, for sure. It was a job. And Mm. and even now, closer, like in my 50s, it was getting my own show. And I've kind of even given up on that, getting my own show. It's like, okay, if they want to give me my own show, great. I've pitched, I've written, I've written movies, TV shows. I just finished a new movie script. Like if somebody wants to do that, that would be amazing. I would love that. I would love to sell a movie. I would love to do voiceovers. I would love to write another book. But I'm not going to let those things decide my level of success. I think I'm a successful human being because I am a good human being and I know that I am leaving here better than I came. I am a good friend. I'm a good child, daughter to my parents, my dad. And so I know that I am successful because I'm a good person. And that is more important than everything else. You said success was getting your own show. If you could get your own show, what would that look like? It's Sex in the City for regular 50-year-old women and not the ones that are in and just like that. Why do you think, if I go back to what I've learned about traditional 
media being like it's still you know, there's still a large population that watches traditional media and if that large population continues to get older why isn't it that or i guess in in your perspective why isn't it that your studios and your streaming platforms aren't looking to make shows or make films about the 50 year old plus if you look at every female show that was ever on tv that's like for women designing women girls sex in the city god there's so many of them golden girls they were all successful and they were all about women in their 50s and yet they are the hardest shows to sell because i think Mm. the men that are buying programs don't want to see women in their 50s having a good time and more importantly i've come up a lot of women development people who are in their 50s who look at me and the stories that I tell, and I don't think they relate to me. I don't think they get it. What do you mean? You've never been married. You never had kids. I had an executive say to me, well, what is it that you're fighting against? If you like, shouldn't you have a husband that dies or something so that you have reason to push forward? It's like, no, I just want to better myself. Like, isn't that enough? I want my life to have meaning. Do I need to have a man to say that my life is meaning? What if Carrie ended up alone? Why did she have to get married to Big, the biggest asshole? Why couldn't our heroine Mm. have been alone? So I just want to explore those areas of romantic love isn't the only love there is. Oh, wow. I like that So yeah, that's what that show is. It's that show. It's a show about women, real women living their lives unapologetically in Mm. married, single, gay, straight. I've watched a bunch of your TikToks and I haven't seen it come up often do you talk about this openly with your followers with your videos about like yeah like this is what i want to do this is the this is the show i'd want to write i have once maybe yeah once or twice i would do it more something tells me you should do it more and i'll like what makes me say that is i'll just start reading lines from the script i'll read my i'm not going to put ideas in your mind because i bet you you are filled with with ideas actually i think you should i read from my book sometimes so why not read dialogue on my script A thousand percent. You see what's doing so well right now on TikTok as poetry content where someone will just either show visuals and then talk about their poem, like speak their poems or it's their face as they're explaining or as they're talking through their poem. I have a very good feeling that it would do well. I'll leave it at that. But and and I'm not the person controlling the algorithm, but I think it'd be interesting. I think it'd be interesting because of you. And I'll let you know when I sell a show, you can come work with me. We'll do a follow-up podcast to make sure that that's happening. Um, Tell me one more thing and then I'll let you go. I'll let you eat. I'll let you take care of your your dogs (laughs) and everything else that you need to. Go to the ween store really is what I need to do. That's important too. You're living your own life. Yeah. If you could, what is that lasting message you would want to give to your 30-year-old self or your 20-year-old self? that you think might have altered like the way you look at the world? Stop worrying about what everyone else thinks of you. They're not about you. How do you think you could have done that? Like, if I try and internalize that right now, I know it's right. It's so hard to do. And to your point, you said 30s, there was the realization. 40s, you're like, oh, that's what that meant. 50s, you're like, screw everyone else. You're like, fuck this. Now I'm just being myself. How do you get a, I'm 28, but how do you get a 28-year-old, a 35-year-old, a 20-year-old to actually internalize that without having to just go through it. (laughs) I really, like, I wish there was a magic 
pill. The reason why I say, you know, don't ever let worry about what anyone else thinks about you. Never let anyone else define you are because you get all of these things with age. And if there was a pill that I could take to make young people understand, oh my God, everything you just said doesn't matter. Literally everything on your TikTok page doesn't matter. It's not going to matter. None of it matters. If I could figure out a way to convince people that the only thing that matters every day of their lives is that they do something to make themselves happy, literally, you won't worry about what other people think about you. You just won't. You're too busy being fucking happy. And I wish I could make people understand that you are not promised tomorrow. Like, this is it. Stop sweating the small shit. It's so dumb. Romance and romantic relationships and those boys and girls that you sweat over, so fucking dumb. Just walk away if they're not giving you what you want. There's a thousand more. There's no such thing as soulmates. You are the only soul that you travel with through every life. You are your soulmate. Be nicer to you. Date you. Figure out what you want, how you want to live your life. Stop living your life for other people. That's my speech. <laughs> Such a good way to end it off. Yeah, I saw you lean in. I saw the hand motions coming. I'm like, this is definitely the TED Talk if you get the opportunity. But I'll say this. I think it's, it's really cool on a couple levels. It's really cool to see that you did exactly what you're saying now. You, you did the blog, you did the podcast, you write the scripts, you write the movies, you produce, you do the TikToks, you, you dress, all that good stuff. And you really do, you really do live it. And you can see that the curiosity is so present. I think it's, from my perspective, it is so impressive that not only are you on TikTok, but you're thinking like, what do I do next? How do I evolve my TikTok? How do I get better? Like crazy growth mindset. And trying to understand TikTok at 62 years old, where I've, I know people at 62 that have no idea what I do, is unbelievable. And, th and the fact that you stand for something every day and have continued to stand for something every day, as again, it's quite rare in the space where we've grown up to the point of you can get a million views for not standing for anything. And so there's that, va there's that like false validation of what that is to live for. So anyway, I'm going to stop my speech there and just say thank no, you so that, much for the thank conversation. Thank you so much. It's really like all of the things that I do are because people like you say things like that to me. And that means so much to me because I stopped worrying about whether I was going to get any feedback or not and just put the stuff out there anyway, because there has to be somebody that is helping. So to get feedback is the best part of the job for sure. So I appreciate mm. you and thank you for finding me. It was the for you page, but I will thank the for you page for it.